planned on a sequel or a follow-up, but as I began watching some Oscar-nominated short films, their themes grabbed my attention, and I realized that these films speak to something that is strongly connected to America. Perhaps the lens I am viewing films through lately is one that comes from our nation's attempt to define, or some would say redefine, who we are. I believe the art a nation creates reflects the conflicts within it. With that said, I give you This is America, Article 2. As I record this, the Academy Awards are scheduled to happen in just over 24 hours. I attempted to keep up with my fellow Next Real host, Andy Nelson, and strongly desired to watch the vast majority of nominated films. One blind spot I had was the short films. I had been so focused on the feature films that I hadn't taken time to watch the shorts. Andy had already forewarned me that the live-action shorts were heavy. And then a few days ago, I received a text message from my oldest daughter telling me that she had watched a few of the nominated shorts, that they were really good, but also sad. I haven't seen all of the shorts, just a few. Today, I am focusing on one animated, one live action, and one documentary short. I watched them one evening earlier this week. The order I watched them in matters. I had, through pure random chance, selected a viewing order that was going to take me on a journey I had not anticipated. Short films are a sprint. They have little time to convey their ideas and make an impact. It wasn't a surprise to hear these were emotional films. Clearly, having been nominated, the short films had left a strong impression on the Academy. Going for the heart is always sure to leave a lasting impression. Since the impact of these short films depends on those emotional punches, this is your notification that I will be delving into aspects of these films that you may not want spoiled for you. If you would prefer to experience these films without being spoiled, stop the podcast now. You're going to find all three shorts on Netflix. They are in order. If Anything Happens, I Love You. Two Distant Strangers. A Love Song for Latasha. If anything happens, I love you. This is 13 minutes exploring the destructive power grief has on a couple. Some grief cannot be expressed through words. To put those thoughts and feelings into words is to become overwhelmed by them. Rather, we gain insight about our main characters through the shadowy souls that represent their inner selves. We see their thoughts and feelings revealed through the actions of these shadow selves rather than words from the characters. Because grief is such an internal process, it makes sense that the couple doesn't speak to each other, but rather they grapple internally with their feelings. Other than one song, there are no words spoken throughout this film. We go through this story without a word spoken between the couple, and this design immediately engages us on an emotional level. We are put in the place of an empathizer. The lack of language connects us on an emotional level. We don't have concrete concepts such as words to connect us to these characters. We have facial expressions, slumped and slouched posture, 
slow, reluctant movements that engage us on an emotional level. We are translating these actions into feelings that we can identify with. We know what it feels like to move like this. Or rather, we know what feelings consume us that cause us to move like this. Near the end, when their daughter pulls away from them to enter the school building, my heart began to ache. When the percussive sounds echo through the halls of the school, my heart sank. And when we see the title, If Anything Happens, I Love You, texted from the daughter's phone, my heart broke. This shouldn't feel familiar. This shouldn't be a relatable experience for parents. This shouldn't be a frequent occurrence in America. But it is. Two distant strangers. Comedy and tragedy reside on opposite sides of the same coin. Push too far to the edge of one, and it can quickly turn into the other. Two distant strangers begins as a light rom-com. Carter just wants to get home to his dog. He had a nice night with Perry, but it's clear that home is where he wants to be. Outside the apartment on the city street, an accidental bump with a pedestrian quickly escalates to a confrontation with a police officer and Carter being held down in a chokehold by an officer. He wakes up and the day repeats with similar results. Carter is shot by the officer. This happens again and again and again. We are now on the edge of comedy and tragedy. Carter wakes up increasingly frustrated. He decides that rather than run, he is going to approach Officer Mark to discuss their commingled fate. Here the film takes a turn away from tragedy as Mark drives Carter home and they have a conversation, connecting with each other as two people. They develop a brief understanding of each other. Mark shares why he became a police officer. Carter shares his perspective about what it is like being black in America, and it appears that a first step has been taken at a mutual understanding between Carter and Merck. As Carter exits the car and approaches his building, we can feel the weight being lifted from him. He has made it home to his dog, Jeter. And in this moment, the film turns again, this time heading over the edge to tragedy. There is no happy ending. Carter wakes up again and tells his story to Perry, sharing his frustration and commitment to get home. He is going to figure a way out of this. No matter how long it takes or how many times it takes, he is going to get home. And at this moment, I felt the film was making a statement about the insistence and persistence of those fighting for change in our country. This film was saying that we need to find a way to make changes. But then something happened. Bruce Hornsby's song, That's Just the Way It Is, began to play, and names began scrolling up on the screen. A list of 65 names, some accompanied by a description of an ordinary, everyday task. Eric Gardner had just broken up a fight. Tamir Rice was playing in a park. Brianna Taylor was sleeping in her bed. George Floyd went to the grocery store. And then I understood Carter getting home to his dog isn't an arbitrary plot device to get him out of the apartment building. It's a choice. It's there to demonstrate that even while performing the most mundane and ordinary tasks, Americans are victims. 
they're being killed by those that have promised to serve and protect. We spent 32 minutes seeing Carter shot over and over and over again. As post-COVID America returns to regular routines, this is one that has also returned. Regular and frequent shootings. How long will it take? How many times will it take for us to decide that this isn't just the way it is in America? love song for Latasha. Documentaries give us the opportunity to revisit and examine events from the past, sometimes through filmmakers that were present and able to film events as they happened. Other times it is through interviews with people involved or present during the events that are being documented. It has been 30 years since Latasha Harlins was shot and killed while walking out of a local store. A quick Google search can give you the facts of the events that happened. A love song for Latasha gives us Latasha's story through the words of her cousin and best friend. It's not possible to summarize 15 years of Latasha's life in 19 minutes. However, this film isn't about what happened to Latasha, but rather it's about the impact her absence has had on her best friend and her cousin. Through their stories, we discover who Latasha was. We gain glimpses into her hopes and dreams for herself. Her story is one I knew of, but now I know more than her story. I know that there is a large hole in the lives of her friends and family. This film can't fill that hole, but it does remind us that tragedy endures every day in America. Those are the films I watched. Why did the order matter to me? Or rather, why did the order have such an impact on me? As a father, watching If Anything Happens, I Love You struck me to my core. It reminded me how powerless I am. It shows the grief that can crush a family. It demonstrates why fear has begun to creep into the corners of our daily routines. It reminded me that the places that should be safe for our children aren't. And in the corners, I saw a fear that can begin to creep in and overwhelm. A fear that can cause us to make dangerous and irrational choices. A person with a gun can instill fear in us. A person with a gun can shatter our sense of safety. This could happen to me. Two Distant Strangers built on that. It emphasized the fact that there are Americans that aren't safe while trying to complete essential or mundane tasks. Every week, headlines bring us another tragedy. The personal connection that had been established in If Anything Happens, I Love You was now stretched beyond me. I was able to empathize with a larger segment of Americans that live with this fear every day and every moment of their lives. 30 years. Latasha Arlins was killed 30 years ago. As I get older, the years pass more quickly, so it was surprising to me that the riots in Los Angeles were 29 years ago. The killing of Latasha was kindling for that fire. I did not realize that Black Americans have been living with this fear every day for so long. And in that time, there have been so many. To this day, we continue to endure a culture of fear and hatred and arm ourselves for our protection. 
These three films grabbed me and poked cold steel fingers into my soul. For protection, or out of fear, Americans continue to arm themselves. But whether in our schools, out on our streets, or just going about their daily business, no one is safer in America.